0: Listening to the Colorado Springs Real Estate Investing Podcast. Brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. Hi everyone, this is Jenny Bayless and I'm here with Chris Lopez. How are you doing?
1: Doing great, Jenny. Glad to be here.
0: Yeah. So today we have Bill McIntosh. And six years ago, he started up Complete Protection Insurance. And he's an insurance broker, and he's able to help our clients figure out what their insurance needs are for their rental properties. And so he's a wealth of knowledge when it comes to insurance topic, which I don't know about you, but it's very confusing to me. So it's very helpful to have such a great insurance broker on my side to be able to walk me through all of my questions. So Bill, thanks so much for for being here today.
2: Thank you for having us, I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, so I was wondering if you could maybe just give us a little bit of background as to how you got into the insurance industry.
2: Yes, Uh, I was working with CenturyLink and I had a client who came in, he was an, um, an insurance guy through Farmers Insurance. And uh, we just helped him really well. We did our, our thing, our customer service part of it. He turned our name in um, to the Farmers District office. And they called us up and uh, asked us if we were thought about doing insurance. And I, when I say we, uh, my wife is usually a major part of this, uh, this insurance. So when I say we, it's me and Kathy, my wife, Uh, and, um, and so we started thinking about it at first. We kind of said no. Um, and I started thinking about some of the things where customer service, uh, kind of, uh, was downplayed or didn't happen, uh, when I was talking about, uh, insurance. And I thought, man, if we could offer the same amount of customer service to our clients that we offer, uh, here at CenturyLink, it'd be perfect. And I think we'd, you know, be able to grow and, and do well in the insurance um, business and so that's really what got us started is just to add a level of customer service that felt like was missing in the industry
0: yeah that's great i mean as as i mentioned i think insurance is a pretty complicated topic so to have someone that's willing to sit there and and explain everything to you i think that's a very valuable asset to have as part of your team for sure and Bill, I was wondering if you could maybe go into some of the main differences and policies that our investors might be looking at in terms of condos, townhomes, single-family homes, and then multifamily homes.
2: Awesome. So condos uh, are uh, pretty simple to insure because uh, what happens here in Colorado is hell and wind. And so in condos, uh, your insurance, usually you pay a dues. And they, they pay for the outside insurance on the house. So they pay for the roof, they pay for the siding. And those are the pretty expensive parts to your coverage uh, when it comes to condo or, or it comes to insurance. And so um, there are a few differences inside of there. Uh, with condos, uh, there can be a special assessment. And we make sure we're covering that to the best of our ability in the insurance industry because it's super inexpensive uh, to have $50,000 worth of coverage in case uh, all the buildings got hit with hail damage and they had a 5% wind and hail deductible, uh, as an owner, you get part in that. And so we get uh, our special assessment uh, coverage. Uh, we cover up to 50000 But those smaller claims, and I say smaller, but uh, when you're talking about wind and hail, um, the most I've ever seen was $11,000. Um another part of that special assessment comes from, uh, like a swimming pool and somebody passes away or dies inside of a swimming pool, then that can be very large because, you know, there's a lot of insurance, uh, chasers. Uh, so attorneys and stuff that go out after those, and it could cost the, the homeowners, uh, uh a lot of money because, you know, what doesn't get covered on, on the, on the condo association gets passed to you, and then we've seen that go higher. Um, so that's condo insurance. Condo insurance pretty much protects uh, anything from the studs in, and um, with that, uh, so you're also looking at uh, some of your fixtures, um, some of your your cabinets, and things like that, uh, plus your personal property. So if you are looking at you know, I would say between six and $900 a year for condos and insurance. And it's based off your credit. Uh, it's based off of, uh, your location. Uh, your deductible could be important in there, but not as much on condo insurance. And so, um, and then the rest is covered through your association. So, uh, it's pretty inexpensive. You know, if you're looking at a monthly cost, that's not very bad, um, with condo insurance. And
1: then you have you have your primary home. Sorry, Stan, um, I got a couple of questions on the on the yes. condo because we 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 buy a lot of the condos. I think we buy a lot more in Denver than you in the Springs. But just just some general questions on there. So when you're underwriting a complex, do you guys review the HOA policy or the HOA management? Does that have any impact on the policy that I would get as a customer for you? Like how the HOA's current performance? Yeah.
2: Um, so uh, the coverage is is. Pretty much the same with all, uh, all AHOAs. Now, what they cover uh, sometimes can change. And so we try to look at um, some, some associations do a better job of posting that, uh, that information. Um, some, some don't. So we just start asking questions to get the information that we need if it's not posted. But yes, we take a look at uh, what their current coverage is with the association. Um, and then we, we build the policy. In, in, inside of that. So, um, yes, the answer is yes to your question. So,
1: um, the other question I have on here, cause I, I've seen a few insurance policies like this have, uh, I'm probably butchering the phrase, but they've had special assessment writers for lack of better words. Um, what's your opinion on those and is it worth it? And, and do you have any, like, since you see a lot more claims and policies than we do, do you have a feeling for hey are they worth it or kind of where is that you know risk reward ratio? I'm paying an extra you know twenty hundred dollars for this rider to cover the event of a of a special assessment, and is it statistically worth it? So I know that's a very loaded question there, um, and I'm kind of curious. Because I've I've um, I've always gotten different answers on this. I'm always curious to get your your opinion on here.
2: So the the policies that we work with the companies mostly always offer a certain amount of. Uh, special assessment coverage whether that's five or ten thousand dollars and so that's kind of built into the pricing um, to take that up to fifty thousand dollars might be twenty dollars a year uh, so you're looking at you know less than two dollars a month for that coverage um, and if there's something very expensive which which insurance is covering the unknown basically if there's something expensive that comes out of a claim and they do a special assessment on you it's really, uh, it's inexpensive to have it. You might as well, you know, take it and, and pay the extra, you know, buck 50 a month to, to get that taken care of.
1: And is that something, so if I'm coming to you to get a policy, do I need to ask about that? Or is that usually automatically in the policies that you underwrite?
2: Well, we underwrite policies how we would, uh, we would want to be insured if we were uh, purchasing a home or a condo or something. And so sometimes we have coverage that we don't even really talk about uh, until the closing and saying, hey, you know, you have this coverage, you have this coverage, it's on the form that we send over to them the quotes, but we pretty much put that in uh, every policy. Uh, And then um, if there's a DTI issue or something like that with the mortgage brokers, we can start taking that out instead of starting at the bottom and not being able to do anything uh, with the policy. And so that's, it, it's going to be on our policies when we do that complete protection insurance. But I've seen policies not have it. And, you know, it costs, you know, somebody four or five rooms because, you know, the, the insurance agent wanted to save them, you know, a buck 50 a month. So.
1: Okay. Thank you.
2: No problem. Thank you.
0: Yeah. So would you be able to um, explain some of the differences between the condos, which we, Really appreciate uh, you going into a lot of detail with that and then kind of how uh, coverages and aspects to insurance changes uh, between single family homes and then multi-families.
2: So uh, we, we do mostly uh, personal lines insurance. So uh, we go up to like four, uh, as much as four uh, multi-family, four, four units. Um, We can find other carriers that will do more, but uh, we've never uh, been really asked more than four. And so, uh, but in that, so uh, a four family and a single family, uh, when it comes to you being a landlord, um, is really the same exact coverage. It's just going to, instead of uh, one kitchen, you know, there's going to be four kitchens. Um, Instead of, you know, two bathrooms, there might be eight bathrooms. Um, and that's how we put it together. Square footage, how many kitchens there are, how many bathrooms really tell you how much it's going to cost to rebuild the house and what kind of quality build the house is. And so in that, um, so just know as a landlord, um, if you're purchasing a home, uh, the coverages for a landlord policy are not the same as your homeowner's policies. Meaning there's there's some special stuff uh, built into your home your regular homeowner's policy that it's, it's sometimes, uh, um, it's, you can add it or take it off on a, um, on a landlord policy, but you can't, uh, there's some of it, it's not included. So instead of like with your homeowner's policy, you might cover uh, personal property at like 50% of the rebuild cost is kind of the, the number, uh, with a landlord policy, you can start as low as one thousand dollars. And if you think about personal property, that would be your ovens, your uh, if you have washer and dryers in the unit that you you paid for. Uh, you have a refrigerator. You know you want a little bit more coverage than that if you have anything uh, significant in the house. And then I don't know if you guys do much Airbnb with any of your properties, but then you're you're putting all of your stuff that you would normally have in your house minus your clothes. And then you'd want really a little bit, even more coverage and that can get kind of expensive on the personal property, but the coverage for the outside of the house, uh, on, uh, when you go past a condo into a regular home or multi-dwelling, you have to cover the outside. And so, uh, the things that you want to look for is how old is the roof on the, the home? Um, because the harder, the older it gets, the harder it is to insure, and also the more expensive it is to insure. Especially in Colorado, I'm amazed when I see a 20-year-old roof. It just, it hardly ever happens. But they're out there, especially if they were somebody else's landlord property and they didn't want to spend any money when when they're purchasing them. And I know that um, Jennifer, you you put a lot of money into putting new roofs on houses and stuff like that. And it saves you a lot of money in the long run. I think uh, if you just, you know, keep on taking good care of your your roofing and your siding and things like that.
0: Great. That's extremely helpful. Thanks so much for the detail on that. Um, would you be able to kind of dive into some of the unique attributes that properties in Colorado Springs um, encounter? I know you mentioned hail as being one of them. Um, and I know you and I had chatted about, landslides and stuff like that. Is there, would you be able to kind of go into some of those unique situations that a home in Colorado Springs needs to, uh, you know, be aware of?
2: Yes. Yeah, so uh, in Colorado Springs, I think, uh, you know, your major thing uh, that, that everybody thinks about is the hail um, and the wind. I mean, we get some major wind coming off the mountains. Uh, if we've seen roofs, uh, you know, Blow, blow away you know and i said just the shingles and stuff like that i've never seen a whole roof blow away unless you were in the midwest in a tornado but we don't get tornadoes in colorado springs it's a little bit farther out uh east um that we've really seen the impact you know for tornado uh but that's all covered under wind and hail uh anyways uh the landslide that's kind of something that that's new and it's really something that's that's kind of been kept quiet I think um, because there's a couple of communities that are having issues with that where uh, right now they're putting uh, tape around their house saying do not enter you know because their house is sliding and and uh, those are up, up against the mountains um, in the most most case on the south side and um, and not every one of my carriers because it's not been a big deal um, even carry like landslide you can't even add it uh, so you know, if you're in one of those prone zones, you want to make sure you get a uh, company. And from what I've seen, it, it doesn't cost a whole lot uh, to add that. Um, the big thing that we do is sewer and drain backup coverage mm. uh, because uh, my mom bought a house here. Uh, when, we, when she first moved here, we weren't even living here, but we came and helped her move in, me and my wife. And um, uh, that day we moved in we all took showers. We would put our clothes in the washer and, uh, we started the washer and left for dinner, came back to sewage in the basement. Um, and so you actually have to have sewer and drain backup coverage to cover that. And it's, it's anywhere between about 90 to $160 for, for $25,000 worth of coverage. And those are very important to have here because uh, a lot of the homes are, are 30 40 50 years old and that means the the sewer lines have been in there that means the trees roots are growing into those sewer lines it's easy to uh get that um that coverage needed so that's actually so up until this year what we've seen is is wind and hail is being a problem and then uh sewer and drain being a problem this year we got that cold snap and we've had quite a few uh broken pipes. And that's covered under water damage. It doesn't need a special coverage uh, unless you have a weird policy, but most of the time it's covered under there. And then um, earthquake, we don't have a problem with it Um, uh, here in Colorado. I, I have asked some people that come here, you know, when is the end of the times coming? I don't know when that's coming, so... That's just a joke that I use with them because we don't sell it. If they're dry, they're coming here from California, they're they're asking for it, and it's just really not worth it. And then then flood, um, flood is a very expensive insurance. Um, I actually have started working with a guy that just does flood insurance. That's all he does, and so he can find mm. private flood along with. Um, Along with the National Flood Program, so if they're doing an FHA program, they right now currently they have to do uh, the National Flood Program. I just got a quote back um, uh, for National Flood from him. The only one company he could go through because it was an FHA and it was over four thousand dollars for the year. Our coverage for his regular homeowners was eleven hundred and something. So you can see where that could that could really screw up with a. Uh, closing because of DTI or something like that uh, adding that much to the policy Um, but it's something you have to watch out for and you can't get around it um, unless you're not doing an FHA unless you're putting 100% down then you can you can gamble on not having it but if you're not doing an FHA then you can go private flood and I've seen private flood only be like 800 to 1500 dollars and it can get higher than that you know obviously if there's a more dangerous zone or something like that flood zone, but that is something to watch out for and maybe stay away from. If you're trying to make a an income off of a property and it's going to be 4,000 extra a year and you, you might not be able to charge that for that property, you know, to, to recover that cost in there. So um, it might be something to stay away from if you have to.
0: That's a really good point. I never even knew that I guess the FHA loan had a different flood insurance requirement than, Conventional loans. So that's really interesting to hear. Yes.
1: And how often, I mean, because I know up here in Denver, we we, you know, where there are certain gulches and gullies with you know with flood insurance. Is it pretty similar down the springs where it's just, hey, if you're in these certain areas, it's 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 very rare, but it's, you know, there are a couple flood zones like that.
2: That's exactly how it is. Okay. Uh, I probably in the eight years I've been doing insurance, I've only had a uh, requests for flood insurance five or six times. Uh, One was way up in the mountains. I don't know why they needed flood insurance, but it was $8,000 a year for them. Um, And uh, then I've had it um, again, another four or five times. And uh, out of those four or five times, probably only three other times have I actually sold a flood program policy uh, because they usually just look for another place to, to live or to buy. And that's another reason why to look at that, you know, because you want to resell your house eventually. Um, uh, maybe once you retire, you want to you want to take the cash and, and live on the cash. You want to be able to, it be resellable and a flood zone's going to limit who's going to purchase your home.
0: That's really good. Um, would you be able to go into actual costs versus replacement cost coverage?
2: Yes. So ACV uh, is what it shows. So it doesn't really tell you what it is or RCV. So replacement cost value is, to me, it's easier to, to explain in electronics terms. So uh, you buy a cell phone uh, right now, it's $1,000 for the cell phone. And in six months, that same cell phone is worth uh, 600 $600. And so when it comes to your personal items in your house, the same thing is happening. Uh, so with replacement cost value, they don't pay you what is, uh, what is due on your phone now. They pay you uh, for a new phone. So they pay you the eleven dollars or $1,200 uh, to get a new phone. Um, same thing happens. So on your house, um, the roof is a depreciating... It depreciates, you know, so they're only... You know, here in Colorado, uh, probably 15, 16 years is the max, but they're known to have 25 to uh, 45-year lifespans on them. And so the longer you go without replacing that with actual cash value, they're only replacing what it is worth right before the hellstorm. So if uh, if it was a $15,000 roof and it's been on there half of its life, uh, they're only going to pay you seven thousand five hundred minus your deductible off of that. With replacement costs, now that's worth. Uh, it, it's going to cost eighteen thousand uh, to replace it. So they're going to pay eighteen thousand minus your deductible on uh, on replacement costs. So um, we try to stay away from ACV policies as much as we can because it's hard to give the customer a uh, you know a firm number um, to that they can expect to to have to replace their roof on. Where with a RCV policy, we can say, okay, all you have to do is pay your deductible. Your deductible here is $2,500. So then you, you know, keep $2,500 in the bank account in case something happens uh, and your roof needs to be replaced.
0: Hmm. Very helpful.
1: Well, is there like a rough rule of thumb as far as how much that changes the premium, or is that just vary on so many factors per policy, per property?
2: Yes, so um, when when I was selling for Farmers Insurance, going up in deductible was a big difference. You might save fifteen hundred dollars a year to go from a, a one thousand dollar deductible to twenty five hundred dollar deductible. Uh, when it comes to independent companies, you might save three hundred dollars a year to go from twenty five hundred or fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred. But it also depends. More and more, our companies are doing higher deductibles for the wind and hail, and you can't even go down lower than twenty five hundred. That's kind of the minimum that I try to start at, you know, with wind and hail. But I do have a couple of companies that will go. I have one company that will go down to a five hundred dollar deductible, um, and so I was talking to a lady. We gave her quotes, and it was a difference of like. $150 for a $2,500 wind and hell deductible and a 500, you know, and in, in, in the state of Colorado, if, you, if you're only saving that much money to get a $500 deductible, you should go for it, you know, but if it's a big savings, the higher deductible, you just need to know I'm going to, I'm going to pay more out if uh, I save this money. And sometimes we see a significant difference, but it's not a whole lot of significance. Um, if we look at it, so.
0: What do you recommend that landlords pay specific attention to in regard to their insurance? And then also if you could maybe explain how renter's insurance works.
2: Okay. So uh, I think landlords should uh, pay attention to their deductible because they have a sneaky thing called percentage deductibles. And the reason those are sneaky are, um, so they might say 2%, which Yeah, that doesn't sound bad, 2%. That's all I have to pay. But if you have a $600,000 house, a 2% deductible would be uh, a a $12,000 deductible, right? Because the rebuild, it it takes that percentage off the rebuild. So um, a $600,000 house, you're paying $12,000. You might as well just not have insurance (laughs) for the wind and hell part of it. Uh, So you have to watch that little percentage. some companies even show a 0.5%, which usually that puts it right into where everybody else is. But you just have to watch and know what you're you're getting. And also, when it comes to the ACV and RCV, you have to know and understand uh, the differences because uh, you know when it comes to a loss, that's not the time to start thinking about <laughs> how much you're paying. You know, it's, you want to be covered. And so uh, you really have to pay attention to that. So I think those are the two things. And I would always have sewer and drain backup coverage uh, on there and also, uh, um, you know, with our rates here, our our landlord rates. So what you're making on a monthly basis, I would suggest covering that uh, at least one year to two years in loss of income. And so that loss of income, is also known as additional uh, additional living expense and so you have to know how much i'm going to get if, if i i can't have a client in there because a fire or something like that and i would do at least a 12 month uh to cover that what you're losing out on uh if that client can't be in there
0: good to know Would um how would you kind of go about recommending um renter's insurance policies just from the landlord's perspective, like, are, are some policies better than others? How does that work?
2: Now, I, they're all about the same, but what you're looking at with a renter's policy is their liability. And I would suggest that you put their liability at, uh, require them to have a $300,000 liability. Um, and because they can go on renter's insurance down to a thousand or a hundred thousand dollars liability, but uh, if they do something stupid, that's the liability is what you're going to go after to. Uh, or your insurance company will go after their liability but I would uh, I would tell them to get a three hundred thousand and that's gonna cost the client about oh maybe a dollar more a month so it's nothing it's gonna cost them big uh, but it gives you a lot more protection than a hundred thousand in case they go and do something s- stupid in their their,
1: like what I've never thought about this scenario but I mean all of my tenants they have renters policies um, so like, what would be the scenario where they do something stupid or they, whatever, just something happens, whether it's, you know, uh, potential or not, they do it. Where would my insurance company go after them for something for liability?
2: Yeah. So it's, uh, it's subrogation is what it's called. And it happens all the time, whether it's auto insurance or something like that, where like somebody hits you and you file with your insurance company your insurance company goes after their insurance. And so there are some things that are covered, you know, if, if a fire starts because something happened that that really wasn't uh, the, the tenant's issue, um, you know, your, your insurance would just pay that. But say the, uh, the tenant left their uh, roast in the oven, they left for the day, they forgot they had the roast in the oven, it burned down the house, and that's pretty of a bonehead thing to do. That's when your insurance company say, "Well, let's go, let's go after their their renter's insurance and have them pay some of this this problem." Um, and then you can you can actually go after where your insurance company might not go after something uh, like they do something intentional. Um, there could be a chance where you could go after their liability insurance um, and and ha- their liability recovery. It's harder, uh, but it's possible. And sometimes um, you have to have a lawyer to to even move into.
1: To ask, to kind of take the sneer out more, Bill. So let's say my tenant only has $100,000 in in liabilities and take your recommendation and he burns the property down. But if I got my insurance up to the proper amount, my insurance company... Obviously, they're gonna go either get a hundred thousand or three hundred thousand dollars from the tenant. Hopefully, but regardless, my insurance company, up to their limits, is still gonna handle the issue. Theoretically, right?
2: It could be that way. So, I think <laughs> we're.
1: We might be dancing in t- I know some like lawyer territory here, but this is just this is a nuanced insurance that gets me so like intrigued and and slightly scared. So,
2: so no, I, I, I can always be scared a little bit when it comes to insurance because you know we do our best sometimes to 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 make sure you know everything, yeah. But sometimes we don't know everything, you know, and it's like some comes up and you're like, I can't believe, uh, you know, I can't believe I have seven. Customers on that policy and it doesn't cover this, you know. But that we have insurance for that too. So you but uh w- what you're talking about, it's really depending on if they uh hold them um liable for the claim, because you know, I'm trying to think, uh, like say a dog goes in the bathroom and uh somehow gets the water on. Puts a towel in the bathroom, so it's it's loading up water. You're gone for the day. You come back, it's totally flooded. You know, so uh, that could be where there wasn't intentional no d- damage. Your insurance company would most likely cover that for you. Now they have to have their own insurance because of their personal property and stuff like that. Where um, again, I think. it's going to be difficult, but you have to have a liability reason to go against their insurance. They did something intentionally basically is the difference uh, between the two. And, um, again, you might have to lawyer up to get anything taken care of to to do that. So,
1: so your example there actually made me think of a, a real animal example. This happened to a family friend years ago, but this was in their kitchen sink and they had a bunch of dishes in there. And they had one of those uh, like motion sensor faucets where you wave your hand in front of while their cat walked in front of the faucet, turned it on, and it flooded the house. Cause I guess it ran for hours and hours. It was just some, is one of the things you would never think of. And it happened. And they just, just ran for hours and hours and the sink didn't drain because it was clogged or, you know, just had dishes up on there.
2: And so that's where the insurance companies are really your, your friend also because. Uh, that's where they would probably go after the manufacturer of that that faucet because as soon as the cat, the, the cat she could have moved in front of it and it turned on, but it should have turned off at some time too, I'm guessing. And so, yeah, it should have run
1: for five hours. Yeah, it should
2: have ran for five hours. So the insurance the insurance company would look at who's liable and that's probably where they would, they wouldn't find the cat liable uh, for, for flooding the house. They'd find that there was something faulty in that. And they would go after that manufacturer And they would pay their part, you would be done, you'd be taken care of, but then they're trying to get their money back on the the other end. And when they get that money back, that might mean you get your deductible back or something like that, too. Um,
1: So.
0: Man, <laughs> this is all stuff I've never even thought about. I guess. Can so. I
1: fire off like more random questions? Yeah. This is this is yeah. great. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bill, so, uh, I know this is not what we planned for, but I started Jenna on questions you, because you're, you're obviously very knowledgeable. So, we have clients, and myself was included. You know, we will buy a property in our personal name for finance reasons, and then a couple months later, we will transfer the title of the property from you know Chris Lopez to. Uh, Chris's rental properties, LLC for that liability buffer. Now, when I do that, what do I need to tell you, my insurance agent?
2: Uh, you just want that, that listed as an additional insured on your policy. Uh, most personal lines policies, you won't be able just to put uh, the LLC as the, the owner. Um, so you just have to let us know that you've done that. And that just, that puts them as additional insured. And so where. It's the property calling in for the claim and not not necessarily you, but it all gets deemed the same way. I think it's more uh, liability-wise what you're doing is protecting yourself, uh, yeah outside of insurance, you know, with the LLC anyway.
1: So from your perspective, not a big deal. When yeah. I've done it, and I haven't I don't think it's affected my rates. It's nope. just making sure you notify it and you get the updated insurance declaration.
2: Yeah, we we've actually had insurance rates change like three or $4, you know, or something because, uh, you're adding extra work for the company, but usually
1: it doesn't change. Well, I mean, three, that's nothing. (laughs) That's if anyone cares about that, they should not be investing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Bill, would you be able to go over umbrella policies? Cause I know to kind of piggyback off of LLCs, the other question is what about an umbrella policy? So just if you could kind of Explain what that is and how it would protect the investor.
2: Okay, so the umbrella policy. Um, so with investors, you might have a commercial umbrella policy where it covers just their properties. Um, and so basically, each of the homes that you have insured has, um, you know, three, one hundred, three hundred, five hundred, a millions, depending on what company you're with, that you can get liability coverage. And so there's a claim. Say the Uh, the porch falls in while they're walking across it. And there's a claim there that they want to come after you because they got hurt. Um, And that, that liability is covered up to whatever amount you have. Um, A lot of our companies do 500,000. So we put 500,000 on there. Uh, They can't walk the rest of their lives. It's a $2 million claim. Umbrella is going to pick up anything above and beyond that. Um, So, uh, so you have a million uh, you can have, I mean, I've seen it up to $10 million. I'm sure some major corporations have even a lot more, but, uh, that would just add another million, another 500, uh, 500, 5 million, whatever that you have. And it's pretty inexpensive. I think, um, you know, there, there's a client of mine on this call and I think they pay the most for an umbrella that I've seen, and it's like nine hundred bucks for uh, for five that five million dollars worth of extra coverage for the year. So, um, it's not very expensive, and it can really uh, save you in case there's something bad that happens. And the thing that I think about liability uh, coverage is it, it takes you out of the out of the equation. It, it kind of makes it easier for you to sleep at night in case somebody does get hurt. You really. If it if it's your property's fault in some way, you want them taken care of. It's not like uh, you're trying to keep that money away from, them, but if you don't have it there um, for them to to draw on or to to get, then it could come out of your pocket, or you could just feel bad your whole life and that they can't walk and they only got three hundred thousand dollars or something like that. So it really uh, and, and a true umbrella, you know, on a corporation or on a personal lines. Will protect your vehicles too. So if you get in a wreck, uh, you have a certain coverage liability on your car, and then anything above that goes towards that liability. That umbrellas.
1: Kinda so like I'm you. gonna I'm gonna combine two questions here now, Bill. So going back to my original scenario of having you know transferring title of the property to rental LLC, and I have umbrella policy for personal. Do I need a separate umbrella policy now that I've added? my LLC to my original insurance policy or my one personal umbrella cover everything?
2: Your, your personal umbrella is going to cover th- that. And I say most of the time, it depends on what company that you have. Um, we have a standalone umbrella that will cover uh, even when they're on the LLC. And so we just send that notification over to them that they're adding this LLC to one of their properties and they're, they're fine with that. So uh, sometimes on your homeowner's insurance, your your umbrella on your personal lines comes either from your homeowners your your personal homeowners your personal auto and so sometimes they don't want those llc's but there's definitely ways around it it's not hardly any more expensive or uh, lower cost you know either way.
1: now for landlord policies or for situations where landlords actually i'll just use jenny me for example so i use a property manager jenny self-manages um, I've always used property management as like you know an additional buffer for just liability because they have a professional responsibility um, to help handle things but for people that self-manage versus you know people that hire property managers do they have different insurance needs since Jenny's more active and I'm more I'm, I'm less active I don't think that's the best wording but does that make sense yeah so I would think
2: that and I, I don't work with any property managers, for say, you know, like, except personal property managers, yeah. uh, like Jenny. Um, but uh, we, uh, I'm guessing that they have a certain amount of you know, insurance, uh, uh, professional liability that if they do something like, um, uh, I don't know, discriminate against somebody or a group of people. Um, well, that, can I
1: give you an example? I was like one yeah. property and the the property manager, um, we actually, we had a property in our contract with our inspection and there's like a, you know, a 16 ounce hammer on the roof. And one of the tenants come out and said, Hey, I've called the property manager like five times to remove this hammer from the roof. Cause I have two kids that play out here. That's, that's very negligent. Um, so I mean, that's an extreme case, but like. Not so much the property manager, but like since Jenny is self managing, does she need additional liability since I've got the property manager as a buffer there?
2: She could. I mean, it's always, uh, I mean, (laughs) insurance is a weird thing. You always (laughs) want more insurance than you uh, need. uh, And you always, uh, uh, you hate paying it every month. I mean, because there's nothing warm and fuzzy to it except it might help you go to bed a little bit easier every night if you're, you're properly covered. But you, you're right. If they called the property manager and noted, the property manager noted, oh, we need to go get that hammer. And then two months later, they still haven't got that hammer off the, the roof and it falls and hits somebody. Uh, what's what's going to happen is your insurance company, you'll file a claim probably on your liability they're going to go after, um, their insurance company, uh, to get reimbursed for that basically. And so, but, um, I think you probably should have just as much
1: insurance as Jenny, okay. um, being a, a property owner. So we might have to compare insurance, uh, declarations later. <laughs> so yep. we have a really fun time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I've been loving by the way, like, uh, this,
2: this last year when rates were so low with, uh, refinances, like, we were getting notifications from uh, Jenny's uh, loan officer about every week uh, with a new, new <laughs> mortgage clause. <laughs> yeah,
0: I definitely refinanced quite a bit this past oh, year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that kind of uh, leads into the next question is um, probably once a year, I ping Bill and I ask him to shop around for insurance policies. So I was wondering if you could maybe explain kind of The process for that and just comparing apples to apples, and if there's anything that landlords need to know in regards to that.
2: So, with us, man, brokers, uh, that works for us really well because we can just look at other carriers and see uh, what it is. It's like really getting a new policy brand new uh, every year because uh, you're looking, you know, we make sure, if at all possible, that we keep the properties. Uh, at the same coverage or better to save you money. Um, So we we would hardly ever tell you, you know, like, oh, I can save you money with half the coverage over here. Uh, Most of the time it's like, no, we just would stay with that current, you know, partner that you have. Um, Insurance uh, never... um, In Colorado, insurance never goes down. And so and what I mean by that is uh, if you stay with a company... Um, there's hardly any benefit um, to that company um, that they're gonna they're gonna give you a benefit because you've stayed with them one year, two years, three years. Now, we have seen where with the new company, if you've been with the old company for three years, they're gonna give you a little bit bigger discount because they think you're gonna stick around a little bit longer uh, with them. So, but it's not a big enough discount to pay more for three years in a row than you can just by going to somebody else and saving that money on a yearly basis and keeping that in your pocket. Um, so we just, you know, we, we look at the policies on a year basis. We have a system that tells us, Hey, the policy is coming up in, in 25 days. Um, take a look at it. Let's see what their renewal is, what they're gonna, what they're gonna, uh, what we can find them. On the the other market, um, we're a little bit uh, limited uh, to people who do landlord insurance to people or does um, businesses that don't or insurers that don't. And so, uh, but on homeowners insurance, we really just keep a really good look at that on a uh, yearly basis. On homeowners and auto, it's easier, um, but we just go out and we shop it every year and just see what we can do. So yes, it it, it means it doesn't it's not going to take anything away from you. It's going to add, and if it does take something away from you, you're going to know about it, you know, before we switch others. So.
0: Great. Bill, this is so incredibly helpful to understand the whole process for insurance. Um, just because it is such an important feature of, of being a landlord. So I really appreciate you coming on and explaining everything and answering our, 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 uh, really off the wall questions for you but yeah we we greatly appreciate it thank you so much
2: well i appreciate you guys letting me uh, come on and, and and show you what i know and and uh, and you ask me questions because we we get to share this all the time but sometimes we don't get to we don't get to share it with the masses and hopefully this goes out to a million people here in colorado so
1: it it uh, it will and we'll probably start uh, compiling a list of uh, insurance questions and maybe bring you back on here in the near future to uh, do a rapid fire round with you Bill. So, uh my two final questions is how can people reach you? And even though you're in the in Springs, do you just do Springs or can you write policies all over Colorado? So, I'm I'm licensed in
2: the state of Colorado so I can write anywhere. Okay. Uh, and and that's not a problem. It doesn't matter where you live uh Here in Colorado, we'd love to help you out. Um, You can get a hold of us two different ways. 719-930-7855. 719-930-7855. Bill at CompleteProtectionInsurance.com is our email. Bill at CompleteProtectionInsurance.com. And then we also, uh, we use our Facebook a lot. So if you want to go to CompleteProtectionInsurance, um and you can ask us any questions there also. And uh we have funny memes. I don't know. <laughs> <into it. laughs> so.
1: Awesome. And for our listeners out there, we'll definitely put that in the, the show notes to make it easy um for you. Bill, thank you so much, man. This has been great. So we appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
2: You have a great day.
0: Thanks. You too, Bill.